Welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 177 and a mighty special one at that. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by the man from the future himself, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Mike. Or maybe it's good afternoon or good evening. I'm not sure because I'm coming in from the future and that future is full of products made by and incorporated by the man of our focus today, isn't it? It is the uh, superstar, the superhero, the unstoppable man himself. Who are we studying today? Today, Mike, and today, listeners, we are digging into Elon Musk. And essentially, Mike, what you and I are really going to be digging into today, because it's been a couple of years since we last covered Elon on the show, it's been a busy couple of years, to say the least, particularly even though you and I might say, yeah, we've had a tough couple of years. It's been busy for us. For Elon Musk, however, it's been equally busy. And today, Mike, I think we just got to ask ourselves, what habits does he have when it comes to being success? How does he get things done? Well, I think this is indeed the question. And uh, I think one thing that you and I have to do for all of our listeners who are thinking, hang on a second, where did this Elon show come from? (laughs) Um, Because we're in the midst of a creativity series. And I mean, you might be able to argue that Elon is creative, but it wasn't part of the plan. Well, you, you see, Mark, apart from running SpaceX, Tesla, Boring Company, Neuralink, OpenAI, Elon decided to add another company into the mix. Like those five companies that I just mentioned were not enough. He's like, you know what? I gave myself some Twitter, didn't he? And now he's bought it. Can you believe it? <laughs> And so we are interrupting normal programming, everybody. So as you pick yourselves up from your chairs and, you know, think to yourself, hang on, what is going on? Mike and Mark departed from the game plan. We did so for good reason. We felt that what Elon did this week deserves not just an Elon episode, but we are going to throw out two episodes this week because it is just so breathtaking the capacity of one human to do so much. And that's why we want to talk about Elon. So ahead for us in this show today, we're all going to dig in to this question that you asked, Mark. How does Elon do it? How does he span so many companies? And, you know, Mark, just to build the tension here, these are not companies where they're like, you know, they're just doing a thing and they're selling a widget. No, they're building rocket ships and sending them out into space and building electronic vehicles and doing AI and doing all sorts of neuroscience. These are all ambitious, bold, breathtaking efforts. And he's working across all of them. And so for us, we want to decode how does he do it? What are the practices? What are the habits of success of Elon Musk? This is the ultimate study of shooting for the moon in multiple concurrent (laughs) efforts, Mark. What do you think? Yeah, you know, Elon has been a character and a moonshotter for us for a long time. In fact, Mike, when I was digging through the show archives, we haven't done one show, not two shows, not even three shows on Elon Musk. This is technically the fourth show on Elon Musk over the last three years. And I genuinely believe that's because he is a man who just gets stuff done. Yes. And 
Listeners, if you're thinking, right, I want to dig into Mark and Mike and Chad's shows on Elon Musk, I please pop along to moonshots.io. What I think you and I and the Moonshots family also recommend, Mike, is a great book by Ashley Vance, which is titled mm. Elon Musk, How the Billionaire CEO of SpaceX and Tesla is Shaping Our Future. A great read for anybody who wants to dig into a bit of biography around the, um, around the world, I suppose, or the mm. universe of Elon Musk. <laughs> reframe. Yeah, reframe. So we really recommend going to check that out. Yeah. So I think this is the perfect moment for us to start this adventure. So get ready, strap in. We are going to decode how does Elon Musk do it and importantly, how we can too. But let's start by setting the scene and let's actually turn to one of our other favorites, Joe Rogan, and let's get his reaction to Elon buying Twitter. And this is where we find ourselves with Elon Musk about to buy Twitter. Yeah, I saw that. Apparently it's it going down. It happened, it happened. Oh, it ha- shit! What? Oh, shit! The press release has been announced. <gasps> Elon Musk just bought Twitter. We got a movie star type of a superhero. It's like a movie. Like if you had a movie and there was a guy who was like a, like a hero in the movie who happened to be a billionaire, does wild shit, like makes his own rockets and drills under the city and... That's electric cars fucking and insane. Elon Musk agrees to buy Twitter oh. in a $44 billion deal. Agreement to take social media network private marks the close of dramatic courtship. Here's why that's going to be interesting. Yeah, tell me. I need all, to hear what you said. He I, believes that free speech is important and not just important, vital for a democracy, for a, a functioning democracy. And I agree with that. And what's interesting about this is we're going to look, we found out some things about Twitter. And one of the things they do is shadow ban people. So they make it so that your your content, whatever you put out, has less impact. It has it has less engagement. They limit your ability to express yourself. They they ban accounts and they ban accounts if the account says something that they don't agree with, if the account says something that violates what they believe, mm-hmm. also this ability to uh, shadow ban people has to be exposed. Right. That happens on TikTok. I, I was, do you remember that clip you just saw? Yes. Where I call, I said I should be, sh- it was about me and my body and how I felt. Yeah. It was taken down and I was put on probation. Well, I think Mike, what really speaks to me in that, Great clip from another classic moonshot of Mr. Joe Rogan is this reference to him being a, a real life movie star hero. I, know. I think that's an appropriate title, to be honest, because he's doing just these unbelievable things that not only benefit him, you know, I'm not saying he's doing it necessarily not for the, the bottom line, but he's really doing it for the world. You know, he's really hmm. focusing these things on benefiting humanity for for a, a very, very uh, colloquial um, title there. Yeah. I, I mean, you can, you can certainly see there's a lot of mission driven thinking. That's why he pulls off uh, these kind of things. But if you look at each and every one of his endeavors, they're all pretty ambitious. Hmm. Like he's decided to go 10 X rather than just 10% better. You know, the interesting reflection here is what he's planning to do was an option available to Twitter for the last 15 years. They just decided not to do it. Maybe, Mark, they didn't even think to do it. But Elon thinks differently. He works differently to all of us. And that's why we're studying him. And what I want to do is I want to kind of 
put a second clip right up against that that sets the context and transition us uh, us from like wow what like how many plates can can uh, Elon spin right now let's let's have a look at the thinking that he's brought to Twitter and then we can decode that so let's have a listen to Elon talking to Chris Anderson at a very recent TED talk I think it's very important for uh, there to be an inclusive arena for free speech uh, where all yeah, so uh, yeah um, Twitter has become kind of the de facto town square. Um, so uh, it, it's just really important that people have the, both the, uh, the reality and the perception uh, that they are able to speak freely within the bounds of the law. Um, and, you know, so one of the things that I believe Twitter should do is open source the algorithm um, and make any changes. Uh, to people's tweets, you know, if they're emphasized or de-emphasized, uh, that action should be, should be made apparent so you can, anyone can see that that action has been taken. So there's, there's no sort of behind-the-scenes um, manipulation, either algorithmically or manually. No behind-the-scenes manipulation. For me, right. Mike, again, this is talking to this idea of Elon creating products or, or releasing products or updating products in this case, that are of interest and value intrinsically to people around the world. You know, some of us might look at Twitter as just another social media platform, but like Elon Musk has said there, it is a a virtual town square where everybody has a voice Mm. and that is something to protect. And Mm. when you have, you know, behind the scenes algorithms or, or, or manipulations going on, then you can see why people get so frustrated yeah, and for sure it, it, it has a very polarizing uh, effect because who the hell are Twitter to decide mm. uh, what can be banned and what can't? And I think this is the huge mistake that all of those uh, social networks make is that they fail to realize that there's no such thing as remaining uh, and not getting drawn in um, to uh opinion making like uh facebook has massive uh, data centers full of people reviewing suspect material like it is so hard it when you try and draw the line and uh on free speech what's appropriate what's not and what you can see here is Elon saying like open it up uh, when we are manipulating it at least make it open when we have an algorithm show how it works. Mm. And, uh, you know, what's fascinating is this is opposite of how Mark Zuckerberg thinks. So it's really fascinating to see, well, how will Facebook respond? Because I see this as a a very exciting challenge and a very exciting time where, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of of Twitter. I've never really worked it out for myself. so I'm really excited to see what he does. But what's crazy is, Mark, this option to do what he is going to do with Twitter has existed for the life of Twitter and they haven't done it. So Elon comes to Twitter with this disruptive, critical thinking to address its biggest single problem. But my point here is, Mark, and he's doing the same sort of audacious thinking for SpaceX, for <laughs> Tesla, boring, Neuralink, open AI. That is the marvel. And 
that is where we can become students and learn out loud together, don't you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you could say that this show would be all about Twitter, the takeover, the value that he's going to bring. But I think you're right, Mike, there's a bigger question here, which is all around the habits Mm. that Elon Musk Mm. intrinsically puts into all of the work that he does. Like you said earlier, he he doesn't just create a product and then and it, it kind of disappears. All of them are successful, aren't they? Well, not only are, are they uh, successful, at least in their audaciousness, that they reset the status quo, they disrupt, um, but I just think he's shooting for the moon in every single step. And Mark, I know there's a bunch of people who want to learn how to shoot for the moon, don't you? Yeah, and and I must admit, Mike, our list of Patreons is gradually getting longer than the list of companies that Elon Musk has founded. <laughs> We're in a competition. <laughs> <laughs> so as tradition dictates, Patreon members, subscribers, roll call time. Dun, 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 dun. Please welcome Bob and Niles, John, Terry, Niall, Marjolin, Ken, Dietmar, Tom, Mark, Marjan, Connor, Rodrigo, Yasmin, Daniela, Lisa, Sid, Mr. Bonjour, Maria, Paul, Berg, Kalman, Annette, David, Joe, Christelle, Ivo, Christian, Hurricane Brain, and Samuela. Welcome, Patreon members. Yeah. Thank you so much for your contribution. We are very grateful because that gives us the means to pay all the bills that we get in our uh, letterbox um, (laughs) to pay for this production. And it is vast and there's all sorts of software and subscriptions and hosting costs. And because we have so many members, so many listeners now, uh, the bills get bigger, don't they, Mark? They do. I mean, look, we're not quite at the extent of forty-four billion to buy Twitter, but I reckon <laughs> I reckon our bill is 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 getting up there, and it's great. It's a great problem to have. More listeners and subscribers is great because it's getting the moonshots message out around the world. But you're right; with growth comes additional costs. So every little counts for us. Yeah, and and listen, we've priced it so to be a member, it's the cost of a co- one cup of coffee per month. And uh, we really encourage you to get in there. Like, to be very honest, we have over 50,000 listeners a month and we have 30 members. That's right, Mike. I mean, now we've heard about Elon Musk. uh, We've heard from Joe Rogan, all about Twitter and the recent acquisitions and purchases of, of that product. Let's now really get into the meat of today's episode. And that's all about the habits of Elon Musk's success. And for us, what is a real standout in his behavior, as well as his attitude, is his ability to just make things happen. So this first clip that we're going to listen to from Elon Musk took place at South by Southwest a couple of years ago. And it's talking about his inverted commas, boring approach, although I don't think there's anything boring about Elon (laughs) Musk, but his boring approach to creating tunnels. And really the fundamental lesson here that we're going to hear from Elon Musk is all about being a doer. I remember when you first told me that you were thinking about tunnels. And when did I first tell you about that? Years ago. Okay, it's like a long time ago. Yeah. Like, I like, thought well, you were joking. Yeah, yeah, it was. I was joking. But, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's not because of some epiphany that I had one day um, driving down the 405. Um, that's how it gets translated somehow. I was talking about tunnels for years and years. Um, for probably five years or four years at least, whenever I'd give a talk and people would ask me about 
What opportunities do you see in the world? I'd say tunnels. Can someone please build tunnels? So after four or five years of begging people to build tunnels, and still no tunnels, I was like, okay, I want to build a tunnel. <laughs> so like maybe, maybe I'm missing something here. Um, so, um, yeah, so I was like basically talking people's ears off of tunnels for, for several years and then said, well, let's find out what it takes to build a tunnel. And, um, yeah, so, so I started digging a tunnel. I wanted to start the tunnel uh, from where I could see it from my office at SpaceX. So I, start, I said, well, let's just carve off a part of the parking lot across the road so I can see if, it's, if anything's happening or not. <laughs> um, and then we named our first boring machine uh, Godot, because <laughs> I kept waiting for it. It never came. <laughs> um, finally it did. Um, and, and we got it going. And um, now we're making good progress. I, Mark, for me, this is the foundational clip for this show to understand where Elon comes from. Yes, he has this amazing capacity to, you know, have big visions, to do critical thinking, but where he roots his practice in, the foundational thing that he does is a bias towards action. He never falls victim to wishful thinking. He is never falling victim to, oh, we've got a nice PowerPoint deck. He is like, okay, let's do a prototype. Let's test. What would it take? Let's just do a small one and see if we can do it. What can we learn? And more importantly, he shares this thing with uh, Sir Richard Branson, which is when he sees the world, he sees problems that might be worth solving. Mm. And what I loved about that clip is he's literally saying, you know, I, you know, I was stuck in bad LA traffic for so long and nobody else fixed it. So I did. (laughs) This is Elon. He saw a problem, questioned the status quo. Yeah. Why do we all put up with this level of traffic? Yeah. And therefore, why hasn't anybody else figured this out? Yeah. Or why has nobody tried to challenge this status quo and come up with a with a solution for this problem? And this bias towards action, like you say, and as Elon Musk said in that clip, I'm going to find out what it takes. Mm-hmm. It's such a lesson in proactivity and productivity mm. that I'm going to write it down as one of my mantras. You know, let's just find out what it takes because it's, yeah, it's applicable for Elon Musk when he wants to dig beneath um, LA. It's also applicable for us when we're uh, considering a new show on the Moonshots podcast, for when we're at work, when we're figuring out something physically like a, a run or a swim. If something feels difficult, instead of turning away or instead of saying, oh, no, it's going to be impossible to dig these tunnels, let's just find out what it takes. Totally agree. And and I think if we break down this, this habit of a bias towards action, he doesn't pontificate for too long. He gets down and like, well, let's test something. Let's build something. I think if we break this down a bit more, the reason why this is such an important habit to outline is that let's look at the inverse of this, is that so many times I you, we fall victim to thinking about something but never actually doing it. It it must be, in fact, when we did our show on Daniel Pink, The Mm. Power of Regret, 
one of the key takeaways that he did this enormous uh, survey and yeah. study yeah. and the majority of people, when they get a little bit older, they they think back and they don't regret the stuff that they did do. It's the stuff that they didn't do. Right. And I think that Elon Musk is a wonderful example of never stepping back from a problem and thinking, yeah, it's, it's not for me. I'm not, I'm not going to give it a go. And let's fast forward 10 years into the future. He might then look back if he hadn't have done anything and thought, oh, I really, w- I'm now stuck back in LA traffic again. I wish I actually started thinking about how to dig these tunnels and, and create these boring products. Because fundamentally, even though he might not get the result within a day or a week or maybe even one year, mm. but the compound interest of, let's say, 10 years yeah. has that huge impact, doesn't it? It does. And, and I think that one of the themes that we're fighting against as human beings is self-doubt. Mm. And I would propose to you, Mark, that our self-doubt pre- prevents us from being a doer. And self-doubt uh, might be like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, so therefore I won't do it. The outcome is uncertain, so I allow too much fear to kick in. But what's really fascinating is he he demonstrates this behavior of don't allow self-doubt to prevent you from getting stuck into things. Mm. Because like how many times have you harbored a desire or a dream mark and thought about it for weeks and months, maybe years, Mm. and done absolutely nothing about it? Done nothing. I've done that. Have you? Of course. I've done that with regards to, you know, items physically in the house, let's say, emotionally (laughs) with regards to learning or or managerial skills, leadership skills. Um, I've done it with reading books or not reading books, uh, physical exercise, you know, running marathons and so on, as well as challenging yourself at work. It's very, very easy to take that, that simple path isn't it? The path of least resistance. We're all geared towards finding out the thing that's easiest and therefore avoid those difficulties. And yeah, I think it's kind of ingrained into us, isn't it? So we're we're kind of programmed to find that path and avoid the difficulties. But the truth is when you take those difficulties and you give it a go, you're going to get maybe a better return, uh, so to speak, on that investment because you're learning and you're trying something new. Yeah, and and what you hear is that uh, successful people often break down big dreams into small steps Mm. so that the actual scientific risk they're taking is is, is very small. I'm just going to build a tunnel that's 500 metres long. That's it. Yeah, And just be, you know, right next to the office. Like it's nothing major. We're just going to see if we can do it. Like the, the, what, what's at risk there? Not very much. It's not like he's building a massive tunnel under the entirety of LA. That comes like stage three, four, five, or six. Mm. I think this being a doer is really interesting because, I mean, he complements that with this, you know, great vision, very powerful critical thinking to break down problems. But what could we all do right now? I believe the anchor of it is, for all the dreaming and vision that he has, he's a doer. 
He wants to get in and have a go and focus on, okay, well, what's the problem with the fueling system on the rocket? Let's get into it. Mm -hmm. He's a doer. He doesn't live in abstractness of PowerPoint. He may think wildly different to a lot of us, but equally he does it and he doesn't let self-doubt. Like who said, <laughs> you know, where, what's his qualifications for building uh, tunnels under LA? Yeah. Right? <laughs> None. None. <laughs> but he did it. Yeah. And that's, I think, what we can take from him. And I think it's like super powerful um, as, a, as a practice, don't you, Matt? Yeah. And I want to build on, on that because I really like where you're going with this, Mike. There was another clip that we had uh, previously in one of our, our shows on Elon Musk. And it was about when he founded and was trying to figure out the challenges with SpaceX. And again, he said a similar thing. I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm not an astronaut. I don't have a degree in, in, in missiles. So what did I do? Well, I picked up a book. I just started reading. And slowly over time, he started to understand it more. And I think the build for us here is whether you want to create rockets, whether you want to tunnel under LA, whether you want to just read more or maybe learn a language, going back to your point, it just takes little steps. Yes. Start by five minutes a day. Yes. Or start by reading one page. It's the same with journaling. As oh, we've seen yes. In the show. Yep. Start by one word. Yes. Yeah. And slowly build out from there. And I think Elon Musk is a great example of that. Well said, Mark. You know, start small, start daily, and build habits for success. I tell you another small habit that you can do, Mark, for success. And that is like as you're listening to the Moonshots podcast, you open up your podcast app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, and you give us a rating or a review. Is that not being a doer or what? I mean, look, I'm I'm loading up my Spotify profile right now, Mike. And if I hadn't already rated us, I would do it right now. It's that simple. There you go. It's really easy. And the truth is, listeners, it makes such a wild difference, not to us, but for getting the message out around the world into other listeners' ears. And we've seen lessons and individuals get in touch with us from all over the globe, haven't we, Mike? And it really matters when people do leave us, our current listeners leave us ratings and reviews. We really, really appreciate them. And even if you think, oh, it's just one little thing, it will take me two seconds of my day. It does make a huge impact. And much like we were saying about Elon Musk with being a doer, if you're a doer and you can give us that rating review, it just means that all of us benefit in the long run. Totally. Like just help us uh, get the word out. Um, that's what a rating of a review does. And that we've had so many of them. So big thing to Maria, Kat, Rob, New Win 87, Podman, Dustin, Jody, uh, Beef Bouillon. I uh, remember good oh, old yes. Beef Bouillon. Yes. Um, Mergen, Jason, and there's so many more. Um, we really appreciate your reviews, your ratings. That's how new listeners can discover us. That's how we can all learn out loud to together. And we're doing a lot of learning now. And, uh, you know, Elon, uh, we've talked about this, Mark, Elon, he, he approaches problems in this uh, really unique way and he loves to really get into it. And this next clip is is another take on Elon's sort of problem solving and, and how he gets to solutions. And one of the things he does is uh, he uses management by rhyming. Actual total mass of a steel 
uh, of a reusable steel spacecraft is less than that of the most advanced carbon fiber vehicle you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Wow. But this is, happened by accident, by the way. This may sound like some great insight, but it actually happened because we were moving too slowly on composite. Um, and I was like, we cannot move this slowly or we'll go bankrupt. So <laughs> just get, do this with steel. So, you ha- I mean, the design has to be focused on problem solving. Otherwise, you're going to spend too much time trying to figure You, you don't start with a, yeah. Yeah, I'm like sort of taking to management, management by rhyming. If the schedule is, schedule is long, your design is wrong. <laughs> right. This is very true. I mean, it is so true, isn't it, Mike? If, <laughs> and, and it's funny that it, it is relevant across all of the different um, industries as well. You know, if you are repeating the same uh, conversations again and again on Zoom, if you are not making any progress with uh, marketing or product release or product testing, then you have to almost have a pause and think, okay, well, how else could we do this? Let's rethink mm. how we're doing things. Mm. And again, it's speaking to that status quo disruptor rather than allowing the process of a business to just keep on existing as it always has. Well, let's shake it up. And again, he just seems to have this bias towards action mm. to think, okay, well, if that metal is, is incorrect, let's try another one. Let's just give it another go. Yeah. And what I, what I took from that is he's just like literally like, got this thing. It's taking too long. This is a bad signal. And he has the capacity to distance himself and say, okay, this isn't on track. And you know how sometimes we get so stuck in the weeds, like we just keep grinding, grinding, um, uh, away and, um, repeating behaviors and expecting a different, exactly. <laughs> expecting a different outcome. So I love the fact that he has the capacity to call time out, say, guys, taking too long. Yeah. That, that, that it doesn't feel right. Like there's got to be something going on here. And through that, they actually made quite a breakthrough uh, and actually solved the problem. And this, this really kind of it gives me this thought that he thrives to get into the product, into the problems and the solutions. And, you know, you see so many classic CEOs um, who don't go deep enough in the business. You know, whenever there's a controversy in the US, the CEOs go, oh, I didn't know what my subordinates were doing. You know, when like they're called yeah. in front of Congress and they're like, I wasn't aware that they were doing that. And you're like, hmm, I'm not sure about that. But like, how can they not be aware of these things? Because, you know, the interesting thing is you look at Elon he he really gets into the product and the problems that the business faces in order to to move forward and i think this is what distinguishes him again is he loves to get into stuff roll up the sleeves and um i find that like a very strong characteristic that we're learning about elon don't you yeah, and I, I want to build on on that insight, which you just shared, Mike, with a great clip, uh, sorry, a great uh, comment from uh, Walter Isaacson. He did this great oh, article, yes. and yes. we can include that in our show notes on yes. com. And I'll just read a couple of sentences, if you don't mind, Mike. The context is... Uh, 
all of us around the world, we woke up and we realized that the deal between Elon Musk and Twitter for $44 billion was going through. Uh, but later that evening, what we didn't know was that Musk at 10 p.m. in the evening, he went, met with his engineers, and he spent more than an hour working on a rocket engine valve leak solutions at the SpaceX Starbase in Boca Chica in Texas. And Walter Isaacson, for a bit of context, Mike, he's working on Musk's new bi- biography. And the, tw- the quote from Isaacson is, no one mentioned Twitter. He can multitask. Hmm. And I think that's a fantastic little, again, lesson here, isn't it? He's using this management approach where he's getting into the, uh, the, the weeds of issues, trying to figure out problem solving. He doesn't let the headlines like Twitter, even though he's the one creating those headlines, yeah. get in the way of him just making progress. Well, you know, what Isaacson goes on to study there is the complete focus mm. that Elon has. His capacity, like when he's in the room with the engineers working on Tesla, he's there, wholly there, 100% there, and he's nowhere else. And what, what he really points out is Elon's capacity to be single-minded and focused in the moment. And I think this is the huge clue because mm. there's no possible way you could bounce around um, all of these different companies if you're doing five minutes there and then you check an email from the other one and then you five minutes over there. That would just drive you nuts. What he does is he's famous for time blocking. So he spends certain days at certain offices. But when he's in those offices, when he's in those meetings, he is nowhere else. And I think this is like an extreme situation which reveals how important hitting the do not disturb button really is in the in this age. If you are not blocking out all distraction to bring your mind, your presence fully to bear on the problem at hand, then that next notification is going to take you out of the moment. You're going to lose your momentum. You know, Mark, you're going to have those switching costs. Mm. So you spend five minutes answering the email and then come back to something totally different. And then you're like, you can almost feel your brain going crunch, crunch, bang, bang. (laughs) Your brain's like, oh, I just got to close one door and go into a new door. And then that's what we call switching costs, right? So he tries to minimize that by being fully present. He just bought Twitter. But then at 10 p.m., he's in a meeting with the Tesla engineers and he's not thinking about Twitter. That's the key, isn't it? That's the key for a man who is in charge of what he spends his time on. I think we're all guilty, and myself included, Mike, of being uh, allowing our diaries or our to-do lists and our emails, i.e. other people, to dictate what we spend our time on. Mm. And I think you're, you've hit the nail on the head there. Elon Musk is a man who's really determined and figured out the best way for himself to be efficient, for himself to be productive. He knows that he needs to give it all of his attention. So therefore he creates environments where he can do that. And I think it's a, it's a, uh, disillusion for me to claim that I am my best working version mm. of myself when I'm sitting in a, in a meeting virtual or real life. 
and I'm thinking about something else. I'm doing a disservice to yeah. the colleagues that I'm in the room with. So true. I? So true. So Elon Musk, yes, he knows in the back of his mind that he's just bought Twitter. Everybody else in the room, all the, the SpaceX engineers, they know it as well. But it doesn't mean yeah. that he can't give full attention right. to they, that problem. Mark, they didn't even talk about it. It didn't was not, even, it was not even mentioned. He just bought a, was it 40 plus billion dollar yeah. company with his own money and no one mentioned it at all. Fantastic. Imagine if you'd just gone for a good run. You would have been talking about that for minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, talk, we, we talk about journaling and running all the time, as the listeners know. Um, but you're right. He just is able to kind of close that door. Yeah. The gears don't grind against one another. He just shifts into that space because he has protected it. He's done a bit of a, a detox yeah. of other work. And as Cal Newport would say, Mike, he's that's the best version of doing deep work, isn't it? It certainly is. And and when you when you create the time and space, you can attack the problem. And this theme of going after the problem, working on the product, is exactly how he thinks about the people he wants to work with and how he builds a great team. You need a team around you to deliver a lot of idea. How do you choose your team based on what? Well, um, I suppose honestly that it tends to be gut feel more than anything else. Um, so when I interview somebody, my interview question is always the same. It's what do you just, ask? I said, tell me the story of your life. And, and the decisions that you made along the way and why you made them. And then, um, if, and, it, and also tell me about some of the most difficult problems you worked on and how you solved them. And um, that, that, that question I think is very important because the people that really solved the problem, they know exactly how they solved it. Uh, they know the little details. And the people that pretended to solve the problem, they can maybe go one level and then they get stuck. I, I love that honesty there. Yeah. Because there's been, again, probably times for me where I've blagged the way. Mm-hmm. I've blagged. Haven't maybe, we all? Haven't yeah. We? Maybe it's a conversation with, a, with a, a partner, I like a business partner or a colleague or a client or an interview, whatever it might be. And he, as he's calling out there, and again, this is a great lesson in honesty and authenticity as well as it is for productivity and collaboration. If you really know the details, you can go that level deeper than anyone else. If you've been on that, that problem solving team, like Elon Musk does with SpaceX and all of his other companies, if he's there solving the problem, he can therefore go a bit deeper because he knows the details. He knows what works and what doesn't work. And I think more often than not, perhaps, there's a lot of us where we hear the problem, we might provide a solution, and then we'll kind of let somebody else do it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, what I'm going to jump in here and say, attacking the problem, this is a huge theme in the Moonshot model. We see this everywhere. Like Yoko Willink is like, yes, 
problems. Good. Good. Let's get into it. This is where real men are made. This is where great progress is made on a product. And I think that we can fall victim to the risk of trying to solve the problem or I didn't create it, so why should I fix it? Or I could really embarrass myself if if I try and fix it. I could be in a really vulnerable spot here. What Elon is saying, his true measure of people is, you know, what did you contribute to solving the problem? Right. And that's the test. And don't, don't give me like first level, blah, blah. Let's go deep. Tell Mm -hmm. me about it. And what's good, you can use that with others, but you can use it with yourself. So if you face a challenge, ask yourself, have you attacked the problem? Have you really forensically gone into it? And what the real kicker here is, Mark, what we've also learned doing the show is when you attack the problem, so much of the stress, the anxiety, and the worry goes away because you've broken it down and then you're starting to make some simple steps to get yourself out of the problem. Uh, I mean, there's been so many times for me where if I avoid the issue and I don't want to think about it, it, it kind of stagnates or it maybe comes even gets back. Worse. It always comes back, it doesn't it? It always does, and it comes back worse. It comes back worse because by then it's had time to percolate. <laughs> <laughs> it grows horns, doesn't it? Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. There's this this big insight that we're finding from people like Yoko Willing, um, even Joe Rogan as well. Unless you go out and address those potential challenges, problems right. when they arise. <clears throat> yeah. You go out, you really understand them. Maybe even Mike, you go and listen to the Moonshots Master Series episode nine on second order thinking. Oh yeah. And you use some frameworks to really dig into the problem as well as the impact of your decisions, mm-hmm. the solutions, then you're always going to be a little bit, let's say half baked. Yeah. And you're not going to know those details. I'll tell you another one you can go to is Eric Reese. Go to our show on Eric Reese, you know, author of Lean Startup. Lean Startup is all about framing a hypothesis for solving a problem. And so if you're really keen to build a, a product or a company and you want to have like a really strategic practice, a habit that you can build, go and check out Lean Startup by Eric Reese. We've got a great episode studying that. That is the best practice mm. where you're always framing problem solution. It's a sort of a scientific uh, yes, no uh, way to move forward in your business. It's fantastic. That's Lean Startup by Eric Reese. But it wouldn't be moonshots, Mark. It would not be moonshots if one of the biggest themes. Like I think growth mindset is a big theme, equally big in our 177 shows is resilience. I can't tell you, Mark, how much I've benefited from seeing 177 times invariably someone's success has come down to embracing the discomfort, willing to burn the bridges to pull it all in to get the job done. And I don't think Elon is any different. No, I think you're right. I mean, all the way from William H. McRaven with Make Your Bed, with uh, Ron Holiday and our series on stoicism, Angela Duckworth with Grit. And as you say, Carol Dweck on, on mindset and growth mindset. I think this idea of resilience exists throughout a lot of these. And who better to close out our show with a great outro 
is Elon Musk himself, again, speaking about Tesla and how close it was to death and how he had to be willing to make sacrifices. I mean, Tesla really faced a severe uh, threat of death uh, due to the Model 3 production ramp. Essentially, the company was bleeding money like crazy and and just if if we didn't solve these problems in a very short period of time, uh, we would die. Uh, And it was extremely difficult to solve them. How close to death did you come? Within within single digit weeks. 22 hours a day? Like what, how many hours? I was working, yeah, so seven days a week, sleeping in the factory. Uh, I worked everywhere from the, I worked in the, I worked in the paint shop, journal assembly, and body shop. Do you ever worry about yourself imploding? Like it's just yeah, too yeah. much? Absolutely. No one should put this many hours into work. This is not good. And people should not work this hard. I'm not, they should not do this. This is too, it's very painful. Painful in what sense? It's because my, it hurts my brain and my heart. It hurts. This is not recommended for anyone. I just did it because if I didn't do it, then Tesla, good chance Tesla would die. Uh, not good, hard, suffering. Um, I think, Mark, it is so important to talk about Elon's success in light of the cost that he has paid for this massive success is a massive investment risk, Mm. hard work. Um, I think he's like, he's had, he's got a bunch of kids to like, he's had a number of different wives, like trying to keep up his personal life must be just like extremely challenging. But you hear it in his voice there, Mark. He's not saying, oh, yeah, yeah, that was pretty hard. Mark, he's saying it was so hard. I was on the edge. Hmm. Like he, he had put himself in mind, in body, in spirit. He was, he was spent. He was done. And, you know, we've talked about this famous story of him writing a check where he cleared his entire personal wealth to back Tesla mm. for the for the Model 3. When everything looked dark, he doubled down and he, he stuck to his guns. He was Goggins-esque. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know? He did, he did go all in. And as you can hear in that clip where he's saying it hurt, it hurt my brain. You hear it in his voice, right? Like yeah. he's so fragile. Like he was that close just to like falling apart. He was probably that close to just saying, you know what, it's not worth it. But I think the big lesson that we can take from that clip is behind his success, like you say, Mike, is this unbelievable amount of hard work and resilience. He is a an entrepreneur who goes all in. He'll be on, as he says, in the paint shop on the assembly line, he'll be doing and getting involved with the team and the angles of work that are not necessarily the things that he's either A, trained in or B, paid for. He's going out to try and figure out as part of a team what the best solution is. He's willing to put that shoulder to the grindstone and get it going. And I think you can hear that that passion as well as the fatigue coming out of him in that clip. And it just goes to show how much blood, sweat, and literal tears 
can go into a success. There's no overnight success. He didn't wake up, create Tesla, and now we can see one driving on most streets where we are. Instead, it's the product of so much hard work, obviously from other people as well. It won't just be be Musk, but Musk is the man who's the face and the figurehead. And you can hear from him. He's not standing back on in the in the sidelines. He's in the arena. Oh yeah. Like- and the stories of him sleeping in the office and and stuff like that. Or if you go back into the early days, his first company, they only had one computer. So during the day, it would the computer would host the website. But then they would pull their website down so that he could write code in the evening. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Isn't yeah, that as, as it too. Yeah, right. Um, the 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 thing here is for all of his success, we have absolutely no right to to be jealous. We have no right to say he doesn't deserve it because when you hear that clip, or when you listen to the stories of what he's put on the line. The investment and the hard work has been massive. So he deserves every single cent of his personal wealth. Because if you're of any doubt, you just only need to hear him in his thriving success and abundance talk back to the time when he was risking everything. And if you've got any emotional intelligence, you can listen to that clip and hear how much he suffered to achieve what he has achieved. Like I'm of no doubt he was on the verge. He was like looking over the the, the, the edge. Uh, he was looking uh, down. I, I truly believe he was there. You can hear it and, and how he talked. It hurt his head. It hurt his heart. Mm. And the way he says it, Mark, he was right on the edge of the precipice, wasn't he? And, and it reminds me of how he's had to deal with critics for SpaceX as well. So obviously this challenge that he's discussing is the Model 3 ramp for Tesla. But he similarly had challenges with converting um, critics, you know, past astronauts into the SpaceX way of thinking as well, Mike. Yep. So he, yep. again, is not a man who's resting on his laurels. He's struggling, he's, sorry, not struggling necessarily, but he's coming into challenges with all of these different businesses. But the key important habit that we can take away from is he doesn't shy away. Exactly. He will go out and he'll go and talk to the critics. He'll try and make his case. He just Perhaps keeps going. Even that, Mark. Going. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't give up. So, so I think like the question becomes like, how do we use that? And I think we can talk about be willing to make sacrifice. No, it's going to be hard. But what I would build uh, on that with is to prime yourself like Yucca Willing. Problems, good. Good. Not bad, not terrible, not worry, but good. Like Jeff Bezos says, if you're not upsetting people, then you're not working on something that's bold and ambitious, right? You know, um, if you're prepared to be comfortable with things being uncomfortable, uh, that was what Joe Rogan said. And if you listen to what David Goggins says, you can't hurt me. Mm. I will soldier through. The only human 
who's ever qualified for the three special forces in the US did so for one of them with fractures in both legs. That's right. He was prepared to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think so many of us abandon our dreams when the going gets rough. And what we learn from Elon today, don't give up. It won't kill you. Keep on going and be ready to say, oh, it's getting really tough right now. That's good. I must be doing the right thing. I'm growing. I'm learning. I'm stretching myself, you know? Yeah. Isn't it interesting how somebody like an Elon Musk will uh, demonstrate those behaviors and those habits and those ways of thinking through the way that he handles himself? Um, you know, he's, he's not somebody who's on these TEDx talks talking necessarily about uh, resilience or he's not necessarily talking about um, resolve, but it's certainly demonstrated through his behavior. Yes. It's the behavior and it's clear that he respects and understands and appreciates the idea of resolve, the idea of resilience, the idea of hard work. Uh, and in fact, in that last clip, near death. <laughs> I know. Uh, and he's still able to behave in a way where you and I, Mike, and the Moonshots family can learn these lessons from when you just take a moment to really dig into how he does it. Yep. You're absolutely right. And I'm going to take a bold guess and say that your favorite clip from this show is Be a Doer. Oh, you, you've already you've done too many shows <laughs> with me, Mike. I just, I find um, a little bit of a shoehorn here to try and get our Elon Musk one-off special into the creativity series. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I believe the Be a Doer aspect for me is so true when it comes to being creative as well. Yeah. Like we're hearing from uh, we've Elizabeth, Gilbert. Coming up. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Gilbert. Elizabeth Gilbert with Big right. Magic. Yeah, totally. Uh, even Walt Disney, just again, go out and, and get it yeah. done. Just give do it, it a go. Ignore the critics and the haters. Just give it a go. So I love that tunnel story. It, it, that's going to be my favorite clip, so to speak. What, what about you, Mike? Which one spoke to you the most during this special show on Elon Musk and Habits of Success? Uh, I think where we ended up just getting comfortable, being uncomfortable, uh, make the sacrifice, you know, being resilient. What's so cool is, yeah, we talked about his amazing focus, thinking differently, disrupting Twitter, but you know, this guy, he is a rock and he deserves all the respect in the world for that. I couldn't agree more. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining me on uh, this show. And thank you to you, our listeners and our members. Show 177 was all about the habits of success, asking ourselves, how can we do it just like Elon? And like Joe Rogan said, he's kind of superhero working across so many different companies. And yet he adds another one, as he shared with Chris Anderson, he's going to open up that little baby called Twitter. It is going to be an open algorithm. It's going to be far more open in the town square. So how does he do these amazing things? How does he keep disrupting? And how is he so prolific? Well, we had four rules. Be a doer, break down those problems, have a great team who, by the way, love solving problems. And more than anything, this is so moonshots, be willing 
to make sacrifices, be resilient. That's it. If we do those things, we can learn out loud together. We can share. We can help each other to become the best version of ourselves. And that is what we are 101% all about here on the Moonshots podcast. That's a wrap.